fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Holy cow, man, you finally made it to the end of the week. The light is officially here, baby. You made it to the end of the tunnel. Welcome into it. It's a Friday. It's the Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. Great to have you along for the ride today, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV and live streaming and podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. Welcome aboard your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. Have you heard the news, baby? We are officially under a new reign of power, a new reign of authority, a new king. A new monarchy. Oh, wait, that's right. That's not us. That's over in the UK. I don't know. <laughs> Our media is like, oh, my gosh, look how great it is. There's a king. There's a monarch. Why isn't Joe Biden showing up to the coronation of King Charles III with his coronation getting set for really tomorrow our time, but it's happening here soon, getting ready for it. But the big transition of power. My question is how long is it going to last? Not to be, again, the conspiratorial type or the oddball out here, but there is worth worthy note of a discussion to be had of how long this is going to last. Apparently, there's a lot of media over in the UK even asking about the younger generation, whether they're going to show up and actually be part of the coronation of King Charles III with the transition of power and the ending of, obviously, Queen Elizabeth, who passed away just a few months ago. And our media had a heyday on that one. Good golly, we just couldn't stop talking about it. Uh, for days and weeks on end, it was a little ridiculous because we're not, but here's the news blast, we're not part of the kingdom to where we actually need to worry about a monarchy and a king or queen. I, I know that's controversial for the other side, and I guess you could make the argument with how the consolidation of power is happening in the executive branch that we're close, we're close, but technically we're not there yet, according to our uh, constitution, or at least what's left of the constitution. But apparently to the younger generation over in the U.K., they don't quite grasp why they still have a monarchy. And if there's any positive news out of this, because if you know anything about King Charles III, he's a radical left-wing nut. Uh, he wants to be a lot more politically engaged than what Queen Elizabeth was because she was there for the prestige and doing ribbon cuttings and waving, you know, waving at people and taking pictures and, you know, the, the rumor that she was a reptilian. You hear that one? <laughs> uh, there, there was the rumor out there that she was part of those reptilians that are dominating the uh, mankind. So uh, regardless, King Charles wants to be a little more active. And one of the big ideas that he has is to be more influential on the environmental policy by going after the private sector. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because it has something to do with the United States as well, with how much business we do with the U.K., and with how strong of an ally they are, that he wants to be more engaged on that front. However, those under the age of 50 according to the latest polls out there, saying that half of that population does not feel that the uh, monarchy should still exist because the royal family does not need to be put on this pedestal. They don't do a whole lot, and they're really looking for a governmental system like we do here in the United States. 
Not going to focus a lot of time on that, but uh, kind of an interesting thing to go into the weekend with. Also today, Cinco de Mayo, so a happy Cinco de Mayo for those that celebrate that. Andy, what's that? It's a celebration, and that's really all you have to know. Put on the sombrero, drink a little tequila, have a good old time, and happy Cinco de Mayo to you. Bottom of the hour, we have George Carneal. He is author of the book. He's a speaker. Uh, he is going to jump on the program and talk about, in the state of Maryland, they are mandating the reading of books of the LGBTQ flavor for public schools K through 12. Now, many states are banning those as there's been actually a big mass book banning across the nation. Maryland is actually securing them and mandating that we actually read them in the public education system. So we'll get to that here in just a second. But before we do that, uh, we've been talking a lot about the economy. We talked about the debt ceiling, the bank failings, and another aspect to all of this government consolidation of the economy, of the financial institutions, is this ESG. And again, for those that don't know what the ESG is, it's really the new social credit score that's starting in the United States, piggybacking off of what Russia or off of what China does, and saying that in order for you to qualify for certain programs, in order for you to get certain government perks, in order for you to get certain loans, in order for you to function in society, you have to have a high social credit score, and in this case, the ESG, that's primarily directed towards businesses. But there's another aspect to this that we haven't really thought of, and it has to do with state governments using their money in the state coffers to invest in the private sector for their investments to make some money and their investments in businesses that may be going down the road with ESG. And we sat down with the Kansas State Treasurer, who's leading the charge on a national front to try and battle some of this issue with state governments and ESG, and this is what he had to say. We're talking with State uh, Treasurer Stephen Johnson here for the state of Kansas. Let's talk about the other hot topical issue, which has been a concern at the federal level. I'm glad we're trying to address it here in the state of Kansas as well, because this could be, uh, down the road in the future, probably one of the most dangerous things that we could go down, which is this ESG movement that the Biden administration has been trying to push, essentially a social credit score for individuals and for corporations if you have to have a high environmental rate, you have to have a high uh, rate for supporting LGBTQ members or whatever else is going on out there. It's strange how now the government is deciding on who qualifies for grants or for loans or for certain financial projects from the government based on these scores that they're pushing. The state legislature this year really tried to push hard on protecting ourselves from that. But where are we with this situation? Is it a cause for concern in the state? So all of the above, we could talk about this for a long time, and I'll take as many minutes as you'll allow. (laughs) You're right. It's a huge issue at the federal level. I want to talk about that. It's absolutely an issue at the state level, and it is a big issue here at the treasurer's office. So where are we? We are in good shape. Uh, I have to commend the legislature for their work and their passage of the bill that will ensure that Kansas taxpayer dollars are invested in ways that maximize returns and don't advance those political agendas. That has been a key that we've tried to work with and work with them to find out what are our risks in Kansas and how do we make sure that assets are based focused on free market principles in the traditional non-politicized meaning of fiduciary duty. So that is what House Bill 2100 does, among other things, and it it addresses the issues we have in Kansas. I'd love to go into one of those if we have time. Uh, Well, the, the key issue is with proxy voting. 
we don't happen to have a lot of issues with investment selection as we invest our domestic equity passively or indexed based on the fact that there's $6 billion and we think our managed money in the end would essentially look like the index. But our issue is with how those proxies are voted by our money managers. And I think a lot of folks are familiar with the ExxonMobil scenario where a entity came up with a slate of four green energy candidates that they put to add to ExxonMobil's board. ExxonMobil added one activist on their own, hoping that would satisfy them. They managed to get three more elected a year ago, June. That put four directors out of 12 on Exxon's board favorable to decarbonization and moving away from what ExxonMobil does as the largest U.S. oil company to uh, have to focus their incredible resources instead on things that aren't, are not their core competency. Um, two more directors, and you tilt the scale of power, and that's that's a concern. As you work through that, the BlackRock managed shares in the Kansas pension were voted for that slate of directors. That's what we want to make sure does not happen going forward and has been the motivation for the legislature and myself to say, how do we make sure that Kansas dollars are invested in Kansas interests? So um, a lot of detail that's there. And the legislature then has worked through this critical first step, but the next is to work through implementation. How do we make sure we get it right with the CAPERS board? And uh, again, we just want to look for what is the highest and best return? How do we consistently vote for that fiduciary responsibility? Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. First, let's go into the actual company itself with Exxon. So you're telling me that with their board, they're hiring these environmental anti-oil individuals to run an oil company to start moving the oil company away from actually producing oil and doing alternative energies as the nation's largest oil producer. That, to me, seems like one of the dumbest moves you can make as a company. Well, and that is a great point. So I went into the details, and to bring it back up to the level what has been happening is some money managers have chosen to advance their political agenda through how they allocate capital. And that's what we do not want to do. We want to allocate capital at the highest and best returns. You've got the best mousetrap. We're interested in your product. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, how we, that's how America grows, and that's how we want to make sure Kansas assets are invested and not follow those directions. Yeah. Yeah. Where it does come from is policy, and that is another battlefront. Um, we just don't want to wage it here on the economic one of investing assets. But with what has been happening at the SEC, at the U.S. Department of Labor, trying to wrest that control back and force these policy initiatives does happen through those channels, but we've got to continue to support our congressional uh, delegation, um, 4th District Congressman Ron Estes and others that really worked on the bills to try and fight back. Uh, you may be familiar with uh, Joe Biden having vetoed a, a bill that the Congress, on a bipartisan move, presented to him that would have blocked the U.S. Department of Labor from their rule which greenlights ESG investing in employer-sponsored retirement plans. Again, I would argue the Department of Labor is doing a lot of things that don't really fit for the Department of Labor in managing uh, investment rules on retirement plans. Um, 
but that's one issue. The SEC has put forth more regulations this year than any other year under Gary Gensler. We've got to help them push back against these regulations at the federal level. Yeah, amen to that. This is an entirely different conversation that I don't think we've really had or many consumers and many residents in the state really even think about is the investments that the state government does and who we actually invest in. Because you're right, I mean, what's the point of investing in a company when it goes against the actual agenda and views that we have as a state as a whole? So if we are going to start pulling out from ExxonMobil and some of these other places that are going woke and promoting this whole ESG movement uh, that's against our values. What are some of the other options? Where can we go that actually uh, goes in line with what we actually stand for as a state? Yes. So the good news is on our investments that we make, those are across the board in the great U.S. companies that we want to have exposure to. What we want to make sure is that we also continue to in to use our influence in the control of the boardroom to make sure that those companies continue to be great and continue to be managed in the objectives that advance the all of the above strategies that we need in the U.S. to meet energy policy, to meet food policy. Those demands are only getting more difficult. We need our best minds unfettered applied to the problems. Yeah. Are other states working on the same issue as well? Oh, my goodness. It is. Uh, yes. We have a great association of treasurers and auditors and others that are focused on this um, who try to identify kind of that tip of the spear where we can help whatever those issues are. Um, The uh, state of Pennsylvania led us in putting together a letter dealing with some of the issues that have recently come up with trying to tilt the scales on on loans and mortgages and who pays more and who pays less. So uh, trying to stay ahead of some of those issues to at least make noise and uh, raise awareness on where, where we're infringing on the free market. Fascinating conversation. we got to break some of that down when we come back here. That was State Treasurer Stephen Johnson here from the state of Kansas, where I hail from. We'll break some of that down when we come back here, right around the corner on The Voice of Reason. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. Thanks for hanging out today for a Friday. Thanks again to State Treasurer Stephen Johnson from the state of Kansas. Now, I know we have, obviously, a lot of listeners outside of the state of Kansas, but he's a great friend. And this is a, a whole new aspect of this issue that I personally I didn't even really think of or focus a lot of time on. And I don't think us going to work, doing our thing, trying to bring the food home to the family at the end of the day, is really thinking about either we got to remember that in a free market laissez-faire consumerist society we are the ones that decide the fate of businesses whether we want to purchase their products invest in their business try and give them a leg up or not and uh, individuals can do that other businesses can do it for other businesses and governments even have the opportunity to invest as well and with all that tax revenue coming into different state governments the big coffer the main big hub for the uh, for the money and tax revenue coming in for every state. They want to invest to try and secure the stability of the state, just like everybody else. And imagine, if you will, as the consumer market for you and I, if we decide that a business is going woke, for example, ExxonMobil, like he had mentioned, where they're putting board members on as the largest oil producer in the world to put people 
on the board to not want to produce oil because they want to go alternative energy to try and raise up their ESG score so that way they can qualify for better benefits from the federal government. Funny how that works, isn't it? (laughs) It's not about actually trying to sell the consumer and provide a service or provide a product to the consumer in the private market anymore. It's about how can we make the most amount of money from the government's grants and from nice little perks coming from the federal government. A little bit of a change of priority right there, isn't it? And that's not how a consumeristic, capitalistic society is supposed to operate either. But we have that. We have Disney that's going woke. We have Bud Light that's going woke. Now, imagine, if you will, you and I, who are supposed to have the influence on them and hold them accountable for those positions, and say, hey, I don't like the direction your business is going. They're polluting my environment. Maybe they're dumping water or dumping toxins into our lake that we actually draw from for our town. Maybe they're making a very woke position. Maybe they're standing for something that I don't morally or ethically or politically agree with in some way, shape or form. That's how we hold people accountable is we don't vote for them or we don't buy their product or we don't support them financially. And when you don't support them financially, theoretically, they go out of business or they change their tone pretty quickly. That's why we have the power. And we forget that sometimes. That's why we don't need unions. We don't need the government. We don't need other entities to do it for us. We have the ability to do it ourselves. And sometimes we forget how powerful as a voter and as a consumer buyer, we forget how powerful we actually are. But is that taken away when a government that has billions upon billions of dollars coming in for tax revenue, depending on your state that you live in, ends up investing as well? And they're investing in something that goes against the values and the agenda and the vision that the state has as a whole. If a state, let's say Kansas, where I'm at, or Oklahoma, our friends just down south, or down to the state of Texas, one of the more red states in the country, state of Texas. If Texas, which, by the way, is sitting on one of the biggest oil reserves in the entire world, and we could fund all of the dependency of our energy production based on just what comes out of Florida and that, uh, uh, Texas and that region, we could be self-sustaining energetically through that alone. Now, imagine, if you will, the state government of Texas saying, hey, I know that we could be producing a massive amount of energy. We could have massive amounts of energy oil companies coming in and drilling and actually making us self-sufficient. We're going to go ahead and invest our tax revenue for the state of Texas into some type of green new energy company to raise our ESG score so we look more favorable with the federal government. That's what we're up to. Number one, if that happens, all of our power as the consumer goes away. Number two, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot as a state government and what you're actually planning to do and what your agenda is and the long-term goals, are you not? That's stupid. That's a whole nother issue. Because if they could get to the states and force the states to go down this road, we're kind of helpless as the consumers. And that's a scary thought. Another whole angle to this ESG conversation we haven't had yet on the program, and we'll continue to do so. Right back after this here on The Voice Reason for a Friday. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, darn right it is. Welcome back into the program on the home stretch already, man. Flies right on by trying to cram that 10 pounds reason into that five pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time, multiple radio stations all over the place, plus the TV, live streaming, and podcasting. What's up? 
Let's get you set for another weekend and happy Cinco de Mayo. Oh, yes. So here on the, real quickly, here in the Wichita area where our flagship radio station is, we're all over the place, but obviously being based out of here, we have our Spanish station that we have, and they're getting set for their big Cinco de Mayo celebration on Sunday this week. I'll be out there. Uh, it's at the county zoo, and uh, it is supposed to be the ho- the hottest day so far that we've had this year at like 96 degrees. So <laughs> it's going to be a lobster, this guy, out there enjoying all the great festivities. I am excited to have my tacos and uh, maybe a little bit of tequila, and it's going to be a great time. So if you are celebrating, cool. If not, then uh, just have a great weekend, whatever you're trying to do this weekend. Let's get into what's trending. What do you say? Oh, by the way, the ESG conversation will continue to uh, have that conversation moving forward as it is really getting to be not just for individuals, but now the businesses and the way that state governments operate. As we're trying to separate the whole federalism concept of states' rights and states making their own decisions, well, now they're being strong-armed into uh, supporting and investing into these businesses that are going down this road of wokeness and ESG And if that's the case, then we're losing the power and the voice that we have at the consumer and individual level. We cannot let that happen. We'll continue to focus a lot of attention of that here on the program. But for now, let's shift gears a little bit and let's get into what's trending. What's trending today? So there's a new headline that there are a few states across the nation that are now wanting to mandate certain books in the classroom. Now, I preface this by saying that there's been a movement over the last really few months or last year, last couple of years, especially down in Florida, you know, obviously where that's been the big tear between Governor Ron DeSantis and the Disney Corporation with what they're calling the don't say gay bill. It's a stupid name for the bill, but uh, and it's not the name of the real bill, but that's what they're calling it. Uh, and now there's a big movement with a mass amount, and the headlines have been, uh, of book bannings across the country now (laughs) while while we don't normally like to say we're going to ban a whole bunch of books because i'm all about let's educating the youth and you know the left has been trying to ban books for a long time because it doesn't fit their narrative of what history is and therefore they don't like it uh there's apparently a new type of book that's out there a lot of them and they're really influencing the young generation and the Ute of America. So uh, while there's a, a push to try and ban certain books in the K through 12s in the libraries, there's now states trying to counter that by mandating the reading of books that are of the LGBTQ flavor. And why we would have those in the classroom is a fascinating conversation to talk about some more of that and more. He is a speaker. He's an activist, also author of the book From Queer to Christ, My Journey into the Light. Excited to have on the program, George Carneal. George, how are you, my friend? Andy, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on the program. Uh, it's an interesting conversation, and now we're seeing the battle of the wokeness in the public education system that's been going on for a while, but this is kind of taking it to another level of not just saying these books are available, but now we're going to mandate that they're in the public library and mandate that our K-12 through children are going to be reading these books. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's interesting they don't mandate reading the Bible as well. But if there are parents and Christians out there who aren't aware of what's really inside of those books, if you'll go to my website, it's George Carneal, C-A-R-N-E-A-L.com, on page two. I've actually included a couple of links of where you can actually look at, at people who have taken the time to upload screenshots from several of these LGBT books. And they are very sexually graphic, and this is what they are teaching the children, even in elementary school. Uh, People need to be alarmed as as to what 
the children are being taught in these public school systems. Yeah, it is concerned now. And again, I'm I'm very um, laid back when it comes to restrictions on what what kids to read, not to read, because, you know, I'm, I'm one of those. My my daughter's nine. She's in third grade. She's about ready to go into the fourth grade. And, you know, and I and I say, I want you to experience the world and you're going to be confronted with certain things in the world. And I want you to be prepared for them as opposed to being blindsided of what the heck's going on here. But when it comes to, you know, adult activities and being extremely graphic in these books, Regardless of whether it's part of the LGBTQ movement or just that type of adult content, why would we try to put that into our public education at all as opposed to them saying, you know what, I'm interested in that when I go off to college, in which case I don't really give a crap. But why are we infiltrating this into our public education system? Yeah, it's one thing if you want to discuss that there are such if there's such a thing as people who are same-sex attracted or some people feel that they are struggling with gender dysphoria, that is a conversation that can be had. Um, but I think it's something that parents should really be teaching their children, not the teachers. Right. But it's another thing to talk about sexually explicit stuff, especially anal and oral sex, homosexuality, masturbation, transgenderism, et cetera. They've really crossed the line. Um, I, I don't... Really, there's an agenda behind the agenda, as we all know. And eventually, what parents need to know is, is that the states and the boards, the, the teachers, if you really knew what they were doing behind your backs at school and not allowing the children to bring certain materials home so you will be aware of it, I have this information on page two of my website as well. And you will actually see video footage undercover of teachers who have been caught actually acknowledging that they know they have only nine months to groom these children. And there are counselors who can actually groom your child for nine months into thinking that he or she is born in the wrong body. And you'll never know that your child is being groomed to believe that. And then one day they're going to come home and say, mom, I'm not really a boy. I should be a girl or vice versa. They're very sneaky with their tactics. And the end goal is that they really believe that they know better than the parents. The parents are just stupid. They're uninformed. They're uneducated. So therefore, we are going to take over and teach your children the, what is right and what is wrong. And it's they're really out of line. And parents must stand up against this. Yeah, that's a very big concern. I mean, I want to know exactly what my kid's doing at school all the time. And, you know, I always enjoy going to the parent-teacher conference and chatting with the uh, with the teacher on how she's doing because, you know, the old school way is, hey, if you're not doing well, we're going to sit down and figure it out. And it's not the teacher's fault, but it's going to be your fault because you're not paying attention or you're not, uh, you know, doing what you need to do to be up with part of the game. And we're going to make sure that you're where you're supposed to be. So the, the the counselors, the teachers trying to force this down them. And I'm on the page and I'm looking at some of these links here. People need to go to it, georgecarneal.com and check out these links for everything. But talk about how they're doing this. How in the world are the teachers and these counselors brainwashing them in this short amount of time to make them so confused? Well, that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> <Andy>. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, thanks for putting me on the spot. Yeah, it's a, it's a uh, tough one. To- it's it's tough how I mean you would think I mean I get it. Kids when they're young they're they're impressionable and they ask questions like hey you know am I really a boy am I really a girl I mean I remember at like five you know you had those same questions but you know then it's explained obviously this is common sense this is why oh okay and then you go about your business at those ages though if that's the level that they're trying to get to them though that could really mess them up uh, for a, for really the rest of their life wouldn't it? Yes, and I'll tell you this. I did a media interview with a lady who, when she was in her preteens, she was very tomboyish. 
and she liked being a boy or doing boy things. I used to dress up in my mom's high heel shoes and my sister's clothes and stuff because I thought I should have been a girl. And we now are so thankful that we didn't grow up during this day and age because we would both would have believed the lie that we were in the wrong body. But it was really a phase. And after a couple of years, we moved out of it. And she loves being a woman and wearing a dress. And I love being a man. So it's very important that we not just we know teenagers, the hormones are all over the place anyway, and half of us are screwballs when we're teenagers to begin with. We should not be allowed to make such life-altering decisions. Now, once a person is 18 and they have the ability to sit down and hopefully reason and rationalize for themselves and actually listen to the stories of the former transgenders who are detransitioning and wondering and warning that it's just a lie, that it's just plastic surgery, that it didn't solve their problems, and how their lives have been devastated by what the cross-sex hormones and the cross-sex surgeries have done to them. If they still choose to go down the path, then they have to live with it. But no child should be groomed with this stuff, and they are really messing with the minds of these children who they don't know from one day to the next if they like the color pink or chocolate ice cream, but yet we're going to give them puberty blockers and allow them to change their sex. It's absolute insanity. It is insanity. We're talking with George Carneal. You can find his website, georgecarneal.com. You can find the links to all of this uh, in partnership with Project Veritas as well with how they expose some of this. What I find ironic with this entire argument is that we just saw more states, the state of Kansas, where I'm coming from here, we just recently in our legislature passed the law to raise the age of tobacco sales to the age of 21 because they say that if you start at the age of 17 or 18, then you're more likely to become addicted to cigarettes because you're more impressionable and because your body hasn't fully developed. We're not allowed to buy alcohol until the age of 21 because it could mess up with our brain and the chemicals in our brain because alcohol is really bad. And while we're seeing this movement to extend adolescence and prolong adolescence and adulthood as we get older, we're not allowed to drink a beer or smoke a cigarette now until the age of 21, but we can choose our own gender by the age of five or six or seven and do some type of surgery or do hormone blockers or hormone boosters in some way, shape or form, uh, which is a lifelong uh, manipulation as well. I just find it interesting on what the priorities are here for some on the uh, on the other side of the aisle. To me, it's about the money. You know, understand that for every transgender individual who goes down this path and understand when they go see the counselors, some of the counselors are really afraid of being accused of being transphobic or being sued. So they will just fast track these individuals. They will immediately after one session say, oh, yes, you're transgender. Go down here, get these cross-sex hormones. And they are fast tracked through the system for the cross-sex surgeries. And understand once they go down that path, the medical community has just created a lifelong patient, and they're going to make millions of dollars off of these poor individuals who are going to have to pick up the pieces to their shattered lives while the medical community gets wealthy off it, of them. It's a lot of the profit. we got to take a hard break here, George. Let's hang on the line. When we come back, I want to t- continue this conversation on what we can do to try and fight back and push back against some of this madness. Oh, it's funny how it all comes down to, again, follow the money. Lots more coming this up on The Voice of Reason. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into the program. Last few minutes of the show as we wrap up for the final day of the week. I don't know if you've seen or not. 
The World Health Organization has said that the COVID-19 pandemic is over. (laughs) Man. Interesting. Shortly after the Biden administration calls that one as well. Right now we're hanging out with George Carneal. GeorgeCarneal.com. That's George. C-A-R-N-E-A-L.com. Check it out. Interesting videos with, I'm watching some of these during the breaks here as we see some of the undercover stuff, the teachers, the uh, the public education system pushing this hardcore woke left-wing LGBTQ agenda, confusing us. I thought we were supposed to go there to learn things, to expand our minds, to expand those craniums and raise our IQ levels just a little bit, and it doesn't seem to be the case in some places uh, where they have this weird agenda. And George, uh, just out of curiosity, when did we start talking about adult activities like this anyways regardless whether it's part of the lgbtq movement or just sex in general i mean i get that we have like a sex ed class which i think i took in like the fifth grade i want to say fifth or sixth grade but when did this become a focal point of a teacher coming in saying you know i have to get this off my chest i'm going to talk about my identity and who uh, the 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 uh, romantic relationship I'm having, and this is sounding more and more like a Mr. Garrison episode out of South Park right now. <laughs> well, you're dealing with a bunch of narcissists and a bunch of social justice warriors, and let's all just agree that most liberals really don't have a brain. It's hard to reason with them, and it's all about the agenda. They don't care about the kids, and we know that the Trojan horse happened when gay marriage was legalized, and then we see how we have slowly progressed downhill. The end goal, if people aren't aware of it by now, is to eventually legalize pedophilia. So it's a slow descent to eventually push this agenda to mess up the minds of, of this generation of children. Once legal, once pedophilia is legalized, it will be thrown under the LGBT umbrella as well. And it will be at the point of where if any parent speaks out or anyone speaks out against this agenda, you could be and probably will be arrested for a hate crime. The end goal is really there, going for the children, and it's no longer about reading, writing, and arithmetic. They are trying to sexualize and pervert everything and to legalize this perversion and go against everything that God's Word deems holy and right and fair. Uh, it's We really are in a spiritual warfare as well. We really are. There was a video. It's funny you mentioned the, the pedophilia side of this. There was a video that was posted, I, I believe, on TikTok or Facebook or wherever I was watching on social media. And a student had real quickly turned on the record on his phone to catch the teacher because the teacher was reprimanding one of the students for using the term pedophilia because they say, no, no, you can't use that word. You have to use matter attracted person. A, mat, a matter. At, uh, apparently, we're not even human beings anymore. We're just clumps of matter so therefore it doesn't matter we are a matter attracted person blew my mind holy cow (laughs) yeah and they may call it pedosexual as well put the p under the lgbtq plus umbrella but they are trying to legalize it and they are starting to groom the american public uh right now in spain they recently legalized bestiality and i know the bestialists in germany are demanding that those laws be overturned as well it's going to get worse, and all everything that's filthy and perverted, they are trying to legalize, and people have to stand up to get this. And when you talk about what can we do to fight it, the parents really need to go to attorneys, find out what their legal rights are, and get attorneys at these school board meetings, and these parents need to show up en masse, and they need to literally threaten those uh, 
school board members that if you read this filth and this perversion to our children, we will have you arrested and put on a sex offender sex offender registry list. Because, you know, as we as, as adults, if we were to take this pornographic material and go present it to a child, we would be arrested and put on we would be put on a sex offender registry list because it's so pornographic. But now that it's under the guise of education, parents must stand up and literally threaten these people and tell we will have you arrested if these books are not removed for the public school system. And they're going to have to do a large outcry and, and get with the attorneys and know what their legal rights are. And literally, if they have to sue the, the board and yeah. the school system, if they have to. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, there's there's a line, there's a double standard in society right now. Not that I um, go to these places, but if I had taken my daughter to a strip club, per se, in a, you know, an adult uh, dance, erotic dancing, whatever the hell they call it now, uh, then I would have child services knocking at my door and taking my daughter away from me. But yet we can read about them in public schools. We can go to drag shows where they do a lot of these risque dances as well. And we can see the hypocrisy in society. It's a crazy issue and we need to stay on top of it. We need to take the power back as the parents to actually control this situation. George Carneal, georgecarneal.com is the website. Go and check it out. George, great to talk to you, my friend. Have a wonderful weekend. Let's get you back on the show again real soon. You as well. Thank you. Hey, always a pleasure. Man, it goes by way too fast. We can go so much more, but we're out of time. Podcast up in a little bit. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Back at it again on Monday. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. We'll see you on the radio.